Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio episode number... 100. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are so excited to be joined today by two of our closest Disney friends. Our show and their show celebrate a birthday right around the same time. We we have weirdly been connected with you basically from the start. I think our podcasts launched within about a week of them. We missed them in Disneyland by about a week, but... We're going to eventually make up for lost time. Brendan and Catherine from Detour to Neverland. New Floridians, guys, congratulations on the new home. Yes, congrats, congrats on the move. And thank you for joining us on Monoreal Radio. Well, thank you so much for having us. Congratulations on 100 wonderful episodes. You guys have been putting out so many great pieces of content over the past two years. What is it? Almost, yeah, almost three yeah. So that is just excellent. And we're so happy to join you. Thank you for having us for this special occasion. Yeah, we're super excited. We are super pumped when you guys invited us to come on because like you said, you're some of our favorite people. Yeah, it's we we can't wait to finally get down and hang out in October. It's going to be a really good time. And I I had to go back and listen to the bonus episode that we did today of our top Disney dogs. We did that not this past February, but the February before. And I can't believe that was a year and a half ago. That feels like we just did that yesterday. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long. That is hard to believe. For sure. (laughs) That was a good time. So for those who remember that episode, we're going to follow a very similar format here. Um, We are doing our top five films that you want to watch with Walt Disney or that you could watch with Walt Disney. And I'm really intrigued to see where these lists go because I do imagine some of these titles will overlap. I haven't seen your list. You haven't seen mine. I haven't seen theirs. Everything will be a total surprise and the reactions will be legitimate. What I really want to know is, looking back to the dogs episode, Brendan kept changing his answers on the fly. He knew his dogs, <laughs> but their rankings kept changing. So I have to ask you, did, were you able to lock in these five films? Are you still changing the order right now? <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> I think I'm pretty set in stone. So my process for this was I wrote down every movie that came to mind of that would fit this category. And then I went back and ranked them. So I feel pretty confident, but I'll let you know at the end if on paper is the same thing that comes out of my mouth. (laughs) That was actually going to be my next question was how hard did all of you find this? Because for me, I knew three of them that were going on my list right off the rip and I pretty much knew where I would place them. But then I kind of did the same thing. I wrote out all of my favorite movies, I thought back to some of the ones that Sean and I have given perfect marks on the show. And I had two slots that I had to fill and I had to make some really deep cuts. I I think we experienced the same thing. And I'm very interesting because I think there's so many different approaches that you can take of like, do you want to blow his mind? Do you want to get his insight on, you know, something that was in the work? So I'm very interested to see everybody else's list. Yeah, I... I don't know. This was not that hard for me. 
you know what was the hard making deep cuts was the hard part. I kind of had of the five movies, I I sort of had ten off off the rip that I knew that are that are some of them are the are givens. And it was making the deep cuts. That's what I found the most difficult, I think. Oh, there was a moment when I almost messaged all of you and I was like, do we have time for 10? Should we do 10? Because <laughs> <laughs> it really did get difficult. And then I have a tendency to overthink everything. And I, I asked myself some of those questions like, do I go with my favorites and what I love? Do you go for the mind blowing stuff? Do you go for the technological achievement? Do I have enough from all of the different eras represented on here? So I'm hoping between the four of us, <laughs> we'll have all the bases covered. I think we're going to come close. So with that being said, I think it's time to launch into the list. And we believe in letting our guests bat lead off. So Brendan and Catherine, you guys can go first and you can decide amongst yourselves who is going to be the person that starts from Team Detour here. Well, Brendan just gave me like the... The, the nudge. Yeah, the nudge. <laughs> the infamous nudge. So I guess I'll go first. And this one is one of my all-time favorite movies, which is probably why I picked it. But it does have some... I feel like it would be sentimental for Walt, too. I picked Princess Diaries. And I picked it because I love the movie, but also for Julie Andrews. I think it would be fun for him to see kind of what else she did after Mary Poppins. Love that. You came out swinging hard. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love the reasoning for that. That's such a great choice. I, and one that I didn't even think of. Yeah. It's not on my list and, and not because I dislike the film, but, and actually I think what would, what makes that an interesting choice too. It's to me, it's not just Julie Andrews, though I love that point, it's also Anne Hathaway because if you look back on Walt Disney, the way that he was able to really become the launching pad for Annette Funicello's career, I feel like there's a parallel there between her and Anne Hathaway because that was Anne Hathaway's, really, that was her first leading role. She was very young when she did that film. I agree. I think he'd get a kick out of one of his studio's films being such a launch pad for an actress who's had such an amazing career from, you know, I mean, she's an Oscar nominated actress. She's in Batman films. She's really done it all. Do you think he would wish that it was a musical? What do you guys think about it? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know. Cause I don't feel like it even fits that. Like I can't imagine watching princess diaries with music. I mean, I mean, but I guess that was his preference, so maybe. It could be because Anne Hathaway can sing as well, and obviously we know Julie Andrews can, but I'm going to go no, actually, because he was such a storyteller, and I don't see where music would do really anything to move the story forward. I think if he would have made a change to that movie, I think they would have spent more time in the kingdom. I want to call it Andalasia, but that's Enchanted, isn't it? Yes. Genovia. Genovia. It's Genovia. That's, I've only seen the movie twice. And you haven't seen the sequel, so slow your roll. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah, but you got to understand something. In the, in the days of Walt Disney, there were no sequels. You made a movie, and then you moved on. And then you made a movie, and you moved on. 
So I feel like that's the one adjustment he would have made. Fair point. I guess I, I'm more asking that, and I agree with everything you're saying. I think that the story doesn't really lend itself too much to it, but I wonder if he would think that they're not utilizing Julie Andrews to her potential. But she, I mean, she knocks it out of the park in that role, but I just wonder, because that's, I think her singing is what made him fall in love with her talent, and if he would want to fall back on that. But didn't something happen with her voice where she can't really sing anymore? I don't know, like, all of her history, but I'm pretty sure that's part of it. I feel like she kind of wrapped, she wrapped it up kind of early. I feel like her career, she had Mary Poppins, she did The Sound of Music. Didn't she do The King and I? I feel like she did like a handful of really big films and then just kind of like rode off into being Julie Andrews. Well, she you know? also, she came from Broadway too. Right. She did, I can't remember if The King and I was Broadway or not, but she did Camelot. I think that's where they discovered her. Right. So, I mean, that's, and let, let's also let that be a lesson to Idina Menzel. Let's preserve what's there, please. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Don't push her too hard. So Princess Diaries, number five on Catherine's list. Brendan, what is your number five? My number five is we talked about, like, would you want to blow his mind? And I think this movie would do just that if he watched it. And that is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Now, I think some of the humor would probably be a little too raunchy for him. I, I don't know if he would <laughs> really like it from that aspect, but I do think... Just all of the feats that they overcame of doing live action and animation and mixing Warner Brothers and all these other different cartoon characters with his characters that he developed. I think he his jaw would be on the floor the entire time. And I honestly don't know if he would like it. It's so hard to say, but I think it could be one where he asks to turn it off halfway through because <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost... It, some something about Roger Rabbit, it just like it feels a little wrong when you're watching it, but in a in a good way. I don't know if he would feel that way. I think that door definitely swings both ways, because yeah, I think you're right. I think he'd have his mind blown, especially when he looked back on the Alice films that he had made early on in his career. I think he would have liked the film noir esque feel. I think he would have loved the old Hollywood California. I think he would have loved Roger and hated Jessica. I agree. I think Jessica is the part, to Brendan's point, where it's like it something feels sort of wrong. And I think that that's it, is it's way too raunchy for, for a Disney film. But you know what? She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. I also do think, of course, you know, our Disney fandom goes deeper into the parks than probably the average Disney fan where we're parks for it instead of movie for it. And I wonder if his mind would go the same direction that so many other people said, like Toontown, that conversion of walking from real life to Toontown makes for an excellent theme park experience. So I'd be curious to get his thoughts on that. Definitely. I feel like he'd be all over that. He I would hope that. so. Yeah. Yeah, and I I do miss Toontown in Walt Disney World, but it gives us another reason to go to California again. D23 if, Expo 2021. Hooray, we're going to be there. If they <laughs> have it. If they have it, we will be there. Okay, very, very strong number five there. So I'm really interested in hearing the rest of your list because that's on number five. You want to go? You want me to go? What do you want to do? 
Either way. Whatever I'll go. Want. I'll go. So my number five on this list, I think, would have blown Walt Disney out of the water from a filmmaking perspective, from a music perspective, and from a story perspective, because we know that he conceptualized Disneyland sitting at the carousel at the Griffith Observatory uh, because he used to have his daddy-daughter days, and we know that his daughters meant so much to him. So I really think for that reason and for that reason alone, he would have loved Frozen. I think he would have loved a movie about sisters. I think it would have reminded him of his own children. I think he would have just been floored by everything in that movie. I was not expecting that to make your list, and I am pleasantly surprised. I think that's a great pick. Definitely story-wise, absolutely music-wise. Yeah, and I think that that's something that looking at what his company was when he started to what it is now, I think he'd be proud that his beliefs and the tradition carried through. I 100% agree. I think that it's something that he would be proud of, that the animation studio was able to produce and do storytelling that was so rich and write music that was so spot on. So I could see him loving it. Well, and I like that you brought up his daughters, too, because he was very family oriented. And, you know, that's kind of what I like about Frozen is just like when I watch it, I see me and my sister. So it would be interesting to see if he thought that, too. I think the most interesting take on that film would have been what would he have done with Olaf? Because... Olaf is so whimsical and Josh Gad is so good. I feel like you would have seen him do a little bit more of the physical comedy, a little bit more of the shape shifting. I think Walt Disney really would have played with that a lot. I think if there's one person I would want him to meet, it would be Josh Gad. Because not only is he Olaf, but he's such a champion for the company and he does so much for them. I'd love to watch a conversation between the two of them. That's an episode idea right there. (laughs) If you can make it happen, I will spend any amount of money to see that. If you can make that happen. Very strong number fives. Okay, so we're moving to number four on the list. Dude, really? What? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. You know what it is? You wax poetic so hard about Frozen that I just got into the Frozen bubble. I'm sorry. In fact, I think I did the same thing to Brendan on the dog episode. So you're in good company. All right. Well, next round, (laughs) we're going to do ladies first. Um, So my number five, this was actually a pretty easy choice for me. It was one of the first films I knew that I was going with. And it's actually one that he did work on, sort of. It's Jungle Book. Uh, He passed before he could see this movie completed. And for that reason alone, I just want him to be able to see the finished product, especially because of what... Frank and Ollie contributed to Mowgli and Baloo and you know it basically plays their friendship out on screen and I know that that's something that Walt would champion that he he loved his nine old men and I think this is albeit one of their last works as the nine of them all together it's it's definitely one of their best and I think that uh you know it's important for him to see the finished product yeah I think I think what he would have wanted to know was, it's okay. Everything turned out okay. 
and the world didn't... I mean, the world was a lot sadder without you, but they were able to carry the torch for you. And you picked the, the right people. You had nine of the most brilliant artists that knew how to do it right, and I think that they carry the legacy... And they carry his name. I mean, it's his company's namesake. It's Walt Disney Pictures even to this day. So the fact that they were able to continue his legacy without him, I think he would have been comforted in knowing that it was going to continue without them. And admittedly, I have to say, that is my favorite Disney animated movie. That was the deepest cut I had to make. Wow. It did not make my list. Wow. I'm very surprised at that. So am I. And I think if you watch it with him... In 2020, albeit it's the worst year in the history of forever, but if he, he would be so proud of how timeless it is, that there are still kids that run around knowing who Baloo and King Louie are. I mean, we named our dog after King Louie <laughs> uh, for for those reasons that it is such a timeless story. So I think he would be so proud of that. Yeah, and this was one too that I think both of us talked about putting on our list for all of these same reasons. So that's a good pick. I almost didn't put it on because, you know, he did see most of it, but I couldn't, that was it. I I couldn't cut it. And I think, you know, to your point, you were saying about knowing that the nine old men could carry on the legacy. I think it's also important just to acknowledge that they finished because nobody knew how sick he was. And they basically all just came into work the next day and found out the news. So to have to carry on and actually get this film done under those circumstances, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. Yeah, absolutely. Four very strong picks for the top five. We're going back around to Catherine, your number four film that you would like to show Walt Disney? Okay, for my number four, I went with The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And I picked this one because I figured that he would have been familiar with it. He had two daughters. I'm sure he did lots of bedtime stories. I'm sure this would have been a pretty popular one. And I, again, just kind of thought that he would enjoy connecting it maybe with his daughters and then just seeing kind of the storytelling and how they brought it to life. I love that choice. I wish I would have thought of that because that would have, I I would rearrange my list for that, honestly, because when we (laughs) reviewed that one, we did say that Pooh has such a strong association with the parks that he's, you know, he's up there with Mickey. When you think about Disney, he's up there with Jiminy Cricket as far as just embodying what not just Disney films mean, but the parks as well. And I think he would have loved the life that Sterling Holloway gave him. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's such... Damn it. That's such a good pick. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good pick. I'm embarrassed to say it wasn't even a blip on my radar. Yeah. I would have loved to see what his impression was of a heffalump and woozle, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you know many of us are, are more familiar with the story of how Mary Poppins was acquired and, and Walt you know, desired that so deeply because he knew it was a story that touched multiple generations and and connected with culture so much. Do you know, was there any sort of similar story that happened with Winnie the Pooh? I'm not familiar with how Disney got a hold of that story and was able to bring it to life. So I'm wondering if, if he would be interested in how that happened, that something that he was most likely familiar with 
during his time and was he you know be proud that it got brought under his company's umbrella i don't think that anybody ever gave walt disney as much of a problem as <laughs> the author pl travers. travers the original well the only author of mary poppins I don't think they had such a problem getting the rights to the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. In fact, I want to say they had it for a while. They just pushed a whole bunch of things out before it. Well, I mean, yeah, because even Frozen, they had the rights to do the Snow Queen. I think Walt was still alive, actually. like That was a title that they had been kicking around. Beauty and the Beast mm. was one that they had been kicking around. I... Uh, yeah, I mean, they had so many stories that they acquired the film rights to that just never saw the light of day. Or they, they sat around collecting dust for years until they did, but I don't think they had the issue that they had with Mary Poppins. No, that was a very so. unique problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Brendan, what is your number four? My number four is another one. I don't know if he would make it through all this. I'm interested to know your opinions is Nightmare Before Christmas. I think it might be a little too out there for him based on the culture that he grew up in and, and based on how Nightmare Before Christmas was made. And, and even when it hit theaters, it really wasn't that well received and it kind of grew crazily over time. But I do think he would have such a deep appreciation for the stop motion and the claymation and and kind of how they shot that. And, and I think he would just be amazed with the production of how it was done. And I like to think that, you know, some of the songs and the playing with the different holidays, which he likes so much, I think hopefully he would like it, but I'm a little nervous that, that he wouldn't. I love that you said that. Cause that was actually a very deep cut for me. I agree with you on all counts. I think as far as the production goes, I think he would have been fascinated. I think he would have loved the music. I think he would have loved Jack as a character because he's so flawed and, you know, to examine someone who seemingly has everything but wants something different or something more. Um, I think it was so different from anything else that they'd ever done. I think he'd really appreciate that. Yeah, that was very close to being on my list, but unfortunately that got cut. There was also a point where I had, I wanted to put Black Cauldron on my list just to <laughs> demonstrate how lost and weird the company was without him at one point, but I couldn't eat the slot for it. And same with Nightmare. I just felt like for the innovation, Nightmare would have been on my list, but there were other stories that slightly edged it out. I think he I think he would have made it to the end of the movie because I actually think that he would have felt a connection to Jack Skellington. I think that he would relate to the character that has everything and isn't fulfilled. I mean, if you look at his career, he pioneered filmmaking for animation. He wasn't fulfilled. And then he went and he did it with live action and he did it with television. And he wasn't fulfilled. And then he did it with theme parks. And he said, that's not good enough. And he went and bought 50 square miles of swamp in Orlando to create his own compound that they gladly bus us into gleefully. And I think that he would have really connected with that character. I think it, I think he would have been a little weirded out, but I think he would have really appreciated it. I agree. I don't think that he would have turned it off because of the film or because of Jack. I think he would have been like, so this Tim guy 
Who hired him? <laughs> <laughs> and we fired him once and you brought him back? <laughs> so here's my follow-up question because my mind always goes back to the parks with Walt. Do you think if you told him they do an overlay of one of your favorite attractions of Haunted Mansion, <laughs> they do an overlay with this movie every Halloween and Christmas, would he like that? I mean, surely he would want to be festive, right? I don't know. That, hmm. I guess we don't, I mean, was Haunted Mansion one of his favorites? Well, I guess, no, it was, it was after Walt, wasn't it? But they, but did, it was his idea. They had been right? developing it for so long. Yeah, because on his Florida map, he had the, I think at that point it was a thousand happy haunts and then they like X'd it out to nine ninety nine. And I feel like the original Haunted Mansion building in Disneyland was constructed and just sat there as an empty shell for a long time before they actually got the ride up and running. But with that being said, I think that it was such a labor of love. And I know that ever, that the fallback answer and the easy answer is Disneyland will never be completed. But I think that he, yeah, you know what? I don't think he would have dug it. I think he'd say, why did you overlay this ride if we have a film with built-in lands and a following, why didn't we just construct that somewhere? And I think he would have seen the potential for a fifth gate with Nightmare. Wow. I don't know that you could do a whole fifth gate with Nightmare, but... There I, is a I, hot I, topic culture that will tell you that you can. <laughs> I just want to see the stage show. But I will agree with you. I think he would see the overlay and be like, what's this? Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> All right. I'm going ahead with my number four because I don't want you to cut me out. Okay. Um, my number four is actually who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, I definitely agree with everything that Brendan said. I feel like he would have been so impressed by the animation process that I don't know if he would have turned it off. I think he would probably raise an eyebrow, like I said, over Jessica Rabbit. I think he would be concerned that children are viewing this, but I think because he pioneered the blend of the live action and animation, and he did it very early on in his career, even back to the Alice shorts. And I think Roger Rabbit more than any other film is what perfected that concept. And I think he'd just be so fascinated by the way that they pass the props back and forth and how seamless it is, how, you know, they employed practical effects like Roger jumping out of the window and yanking the blinds out. Yeah. I think he just would have been so impressed by all of that. I think he probably would have stuck it out until the end of the film. What I don't think he would have liked is that at one point they were considering Roger to be like the next Mickey and to be really at the forefront of the parks. I think he would have been raising an eyebrow that this is now his sales guy. Yeah, and, and the second rabbit, that was supposed to be the face of his company. Exactly. It's, it's such a good movie. It's one of my favorites. It was such a deep cut. I'm shocked. Well, that is shocking to it, me. To be honest with you, it came down between that and the movie that ended up being my number four. A movie that I think 
time period wise, very similar to who framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. I think I he would have really gotten a kick out of the special effects. I think he would have gotten a kick out of the storyline. I think he would have loved the villain. I feel like he would have loved the hero. You know where I'm going with this. We're going to go have breakfast at the Bulldog Cafe because the Rocketeer is number four on my list. I think Walt Disney would have had so much fun watching that movie, watching him fly. I think he would have loved Timothy Dalton. I think he would have loved... Jennifer Connelly, I think he would have loved Alan Arkin. Like, to, like it was actually, it was almost the, the number one movie on my list, which is a hell of a fall from one to four. But <laughs> yeah, it, really. it was so close, you know, to, to being there. It was one of those where it's like, all right, if it's not one, it's going to fall back on the list. And I was so, I was so stuck on it. But that's my number four. I think Walt would have loved The Rocketeer. Well, we need to be invited to that party because I'm going to be honest, we've never seen it. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so we're going to watch it with Walt for the first time, too. Maybe we can do a watch party with that one. That's we did a, a couple idea. of watch parties earlier on this year, and uh, we were thinking about bringing them back. So maybe the, maybe the Rocketeer would be a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually I'm surprised you guys didn't tune in on that one because I feel like that movie's right up your alley probably is we're just i know we're bad movie watchers we, are, we tend to just be the kind of people who do like the same thing over and over again um we're not very adventurous so i'm sad that we've never seen it if it's so high on your list i mean it's not like you guys had anything else going on recently it's not like you you know had to buy a house sell your other house find new jobs uproof your life and move drive through alabama drive through alabama you know it, you didn't have to do any of that so what else were you doing that you couldn't watch the rocketeer Driving through Alabama takes the most time out of all those things. <laughs> That's like the equivalent of when we would drive down on 95, I think, cutting through like South Carolina and Georgia. Because you make it to North Carolina so fast from here and you think, oh, my God, I'm so close. No, you're still somehow like 11 hours away. Yep. That's how it feels the whole time. <laughs> Just like hoping that it gets closer and it never does. <laughs> I do agree with you, though. I think that he would have enjoyed Rocketeer. Um, I think he would have gotten a kick out of it. But it wasn't, like, groundbreaking enough to meet my criteria. I thought about it, but it wasn't even close. I don't know that that would have even made my top ten. What? I don't know. I'm still trying to get over you not including Roger Rabbit. Maybe part of me in the back of my mind knew someone else was going to say it and that I would be the only one that said Rocketeer, but... I just don't know. I feel like for all the reasons we mentioned with Roger Rabbit, I feel like he would have found the Rocketeer less objectionable. And maybe subconsciously, that's why I picked it. That's fair. So should we move on to number three? Because now we're really going. Yeah, I think we this go is going to get ugly. <laughs> OK, my number three has already been mentioned. I picked Frozen for my number three. And, I mean, really for a lot of the same reasons, I think he would have loved the animation. I think the songs are on point better than Moana. Yes, and <laughs> And I know, I'd also be really interested to see what he thinks about the whole twist with Hans and just the, the little comments that Anna 
not just Anna makes, but that everyone in the movie kind of makes that go against like your typical princess movie. Like how would he feel about that? Um, because it is kind of more modern in some of those senses. So I think it would be just kind of fun to watch with him. That's a great point. I think he would love Anna. I think he'd love her clumsiness. I think he'd love the sense of humor that she has. And I, I almost feel like Anna and Elsa embody a lot of maybe the direction that he wanted to take the traditional princess, but he couldn't for, for cultural norms or whatever it might be. And so I think he would be proud of that they are independent and they're the heroes. They don't need anybody to save them. I think he would be very proud of that. I think he would have also been impressed that they managed to take out not one, but both parents in the same incident. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have been like, we never thought about that. <laughs> you actually see them become orphans. That, I think, would have kind of rattled his cage a little bit. Yeah. But not in a bad way, in a good way. My number three is, I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm done with the ones that I think that he might turn off. These are ones that he would be so proud of, so just marvel at their genius. And I think Toy Story embodies all of that. I think the CGI animation would just be mind-blowing to him that, that you could do all of that on a computer. And I think just the storytelling aspect of it and you know, making every viewer feel like a child again, that he would that he would just be encapsulated by it. You could tell him that his company bought that company a couple of years later <laughs> down the road. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have been proud about that. I totally agree with you. I think he would have been floored by the story and the animation. Definitely. I think he would have appreciated the buddy film, but more so than anything else. That's I mean, that's the pinnacle of animation, right? The technological achievement of that movie would have knocked him out. Do you think if you show him the first, you have to show him all the others? I think that you show him the three Toy Story movies that exist because <laughs> there is no such thing as Toy Story 4. No, we're not going to tell him about the fourth one. <laughs> I can support that. Yes, yeah, like, you know, all these character building things that we've done up to do on Woody, just throw them out the window. <laughs> Forget everything that's happened in the last 20 years. We're about to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would be right on the money. And I actually consider making it my number one. So I hope you're impressed with my next two choices. I mean, certainly a strong case for number one. Certainly, I think, definitely deserves a place in the top five anywhere in that on the list. I think it's I think uh, it's accurate. I think it's a very accurate pick. Yeah, I kind of feel like Brendan was the first of the four of us to do Toy Story. I'm going to be shocked if it didn't make everybody's list in some capacity. I don't want to spoil anything. But we'll wait and see. You want to do your number three or you want me to do it? I can do my number three. Why not? My number three that I don't think anybody's going to have on their list is Tron. I would love to watch Tron with Walt Disney because I, but I would want to watch it with him now. I wouldn't want to watch it with him when it was released. I want to watch it with him now because I want to sit there and say, your film that your company made basically set the table for filmmaking moving forward. And if you watch 
a movie like Black Panther or Thor with Wakanda and Asgard, those other worlds don't exist without the groundwork that was laid with Tron. And I think he also would have been wildly impressed that a lot of the technology that they talked about in Tron and uploading and saving data and having your identity disks and your avatars, I think he would have been blown away that so much of that movie ended up coming to fruition 40 years later. That's a great pick. I did think about it because it was so groundbreaking at the time, and you're right, it did lay the building blocks for what we have now with Marvel, but it still got edged out for me. It was on my honorable mentions as well for pretty much all of what you just said that just so revolutionary uh, and laid the groundwork. But I, I left it off my list for kind of what you said that you almost have to show him what came after for him to really appreciate what it was. And it's like, how much time do you have, Walt? <laughs> I don't know how long you're back, but <laughs> that <laughs> is true. we have a movie marathon to go through. Yeah. We didn't give that criteria of how long we actually have with him. Well, at least five movies. At least five movies, yeah. That that was in my mind. I've got five movies with It's a marathon. Yes. All right, I'm watching The Hobbit now, so I can have longer. (laughs) (laughs) Disney Plus and chill with Walt. So we grew up in the Dynasty era, so you know one of those had to be on my list. It was just a question of which one. This was probably my hardest decision. I was thinking about doing Little Mermaid because it is my favorite. And I thought it was super important to have something from Howard Ashman and Alan Menken on this list. But I actually went with Aladdin because of the genie. That is what put it over the top for me because I think he would have loved Robin Williams' performance so much. And the story is amazing. We gave it perfect marks when we reviewed it I think it demonstrates a great villain uh it it just fires on all cylinders yeah I think you're absolutely right Walt Disney as we know he used the same voice actors and voice actresses time and time again and I think that Robin Williams because he was so versatile and he was so funny and he was so good with improv I would imagine he would have been in Walt's stable of regular actors. Definitely. It was on my honorable mention list as well. And we had the same discussion of you got to get something from that era, or at least, you know, we got to write this down. And we edged out. I say we because we had this discussion, (laughs) but really I edged out and I said Aladdin over Little Mermaid as well. So I think that's very true. And, And he would, again, it's one of those. I, you would want to explain to him the significance of this was such a turning point for your company and the movies that they were making that this era changed everything. I would have been interested in getting his opinion of the films that led up to that moment because, I mean, would he have hated The Black Cauldron? Probably. I think he would have found it too scary, but there were some really charming movies that the company made, like Oliver like and Oliver, Company, yeah. Rescuers Down Under, The Great Mouse Detective, and some did very well and some didn't. And I think he would be confused as to why they were not all big successes. 
It's a good point. Moving on to number two. Now the deep cuts really get deep. I'm very interested. Catherine, number two, what do you have? Oh, man. Okay. So this one for me is very similar to one that was mentioned before, but I kind of put my own little spin on it, I guess, ish. I went with the live action version of Jungle Book. Wow. And I mean, kind of because, like we said earlier, he worked on it, so he would have been familiar with the story. Since live action movies are such a thing right now, and the Jungle Book live action doesn't, it doesn't suck. It's not terrible. I would have been so interested to see what he thought of that. If he liked it, if he liked the choices, if he liked how they, you know, redid the music. So, yeah. Well, and it makes me also think that you mentioned Josh Gad of someone that you would want to meet Walt Disney. John Favreau is someone that I would want to meet Walt Disney. And because I think he has such a deep appreciation for storytelling and the pioneers that came before him. And so that's what makes me think that it would, I like that pick because it would give him a glimpse as to this is the direction that your company is going now. Not everybody is on board with this, but this is one of the best examples that we have as to what this looks like when you retell an old story with new technology. I think he would have been floored by the technology and by the world that they created and by the filmmaking techniques that were put into making the lie or uh, into making well actually both the Lion King and uh, the Jungle Book because with the Jungle Book they really did try to like shoot it on a set it was a really really interesting form of filmmaking that and they sort of invented their own sort of filmmaking I think you would have great respect for the man that invented the multiplane camera. To see what Favreau did to pull this off, I think he really would have appreciated it. Yeah, I definitely can't argue that. It would be really interesting to show him this new trend of all the live-action remakes, a different direction that his company is going in, and definitely, for, for the technology alone, I think he would have been fascinated. And like you said, Favreau, too. I think um, he's definitely become an important part of the Walt Disney Company. Let me ask you guys... What do you think he would have said about the live-action remakes? How do you think he would have felt about them? I would say as a whole, he'd probably feel negatively about them. I think he would, if you look at them individually, obviously some are done way better than others. And in my opinion, Jungle Book is one of the shining lights of one that actually benefited from this happening, that that the story is enhanced by viewing it a different way. Now, if you show him Alice in Wonderland, he's probably going to feel much very differently. But <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I, I kind of thought the same thing. I feel like, you know, if Disney only did a few live actions, maybe he could support that. But I do think, like, he likes doing new things. You know, I feel like he would want to tell new stories rather than, retell old ones that he already did. I agree. I think he would have appreciated the fact that they were finding new ways to tell these classic stories, but I think he would have wondered why they were doing it all again. 
and more specifically, I think he would have been concerned. I think he would have been worried about how to explain to Roy how the company is spending <laughs> so much money to remake things that they've already made. I feel like he would have tried to find a better use of resources and time. Although of all of them, and I, was, I wasn't harsh when it came to Jungle Book as a whole, so much as I was harsh about some of the pieces. Like, right. I didn't really love Bill Murray, and that hurts my heart to say because everybody knows what my favorite movie is. So I think that that is actually... I think if I were to show him one, that would probably be the one that I would show him. I'm so torn because part of me wants to think that he would have said, progress, keep moving forward. And from a technological standpoint, he would have wanted to retell them with all of the bells and whistles that we have now. But at the same time, I feel like he would want new and innovative stories. I don't know. That really could go either way. I almost think that because he was so familiar with the source material of the actual written literature on the Jungle Book and Mowgli's stories, that maybe he would have said, why couldn't you have pulled something else? This literature is so deep, you could have told a new story with new technology and just expanded on these characters that we already knew. So that's kind of where my mind went as well. Very good point. Where's your mind at on your number two? My number two, I know we're not spoiling our list, but I think it might be on your list, Jackie. And this is Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that obviously the source material being the ride in Disneyland and his connection to that and his connection to Mark Davis and everything that went into it and how proud he was of that. I think he would just be over the moon thrilled to see the story come to real life. Now, would he like a Disney character drinking rum on screen? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. I mean, he drank scotch, so I guess he'd be cool. But And he but, smoked. Yeah. And he didn't really yeah. hide it. Scotch mist every day after work. Yeah, I think yep. we can pass. We can we can pass through. Jessica Rabbit may not pass, but I think rum would. <laughs> yeah. Walt, Walt, Walt could get down. He'd have a good time. So I think he'd be good. I, I think that he would love the ways that they had references to the ride, but they still created this brand new world and this brand new story based off of it and and that it was such a roaring success and that it became a franchise based off it and a franchise that's still active somehow all these years later. So I think it would absolutely blow him away. I agree. A thousand percent. Yeah, so do I. You want to go next? Do you want me to go next? How do you want to do it? I'll go next and I'll give you the first pick of number one when it comes to our side of the Skype conversation. Just don't leave me out of it. That's <laughs> okay. fine. My number two is Toy Story. For all of the uh, reasons we talked about earlier, I think he would have loved the sum of everything. I think that he would have been blown away by the music that was written for that film. I think he would have loved the world that they created and shrinking you down to the size of a toy. And I think... I think that he would have really loved it because I can see Walt as a kid, you know, being so creative if he had toys. And I don't think he had a lot of them because he didn't come from much. But I could see him picking up a toy and creating his own little stories with them. And I think he would have really attached himself to Andy. Oh, I 
love that. <laughs> uh, very I, sweet. It is. And I definitely agree because Toy Story is also my number two. That was almost a game time decision, but I, I had it locked in and I'm going to stick with it. It was almost my number one, you know, for all the reasons that we mentioned before, because to me, it is such a capstone film from the character development to the storytelling aspects, to the music, to the technology. I mean, that is the core of his company. And when you're talking about the animation that he started, to see him bring it full circle to what it is now, it's just such an important film to animation. And being that that was where his roots were, it was almost my number one for that reason, to bring it all full circle. I guess I'm the oddball. I'm the only one, I guess, who didn't put this on my list. So spoiler for my number one, but I didn't put Toy Story on my list. That's okay. We like conversation. We like hearing. <laughs> we li- Honestly, your list, though, and I'm really excited for your number one, your list has been really good because I feel like of all of the films that we've spent a lot of time going off onto side conversations about, They've been movies that you had on your list more than anyone else. (laughs) No, I've really enjoyed this because I have no idea what's coming from Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the oddball here. (laughs) No, I love it. Not the oddball. This is so unique. And and your reasoning, too. It's things that I would never think of. Do we want to throw some honorable mentions out there before we do our number ones? Why don't we wait till after? After? Let's wait. Okay, we can wait till after. We'll wait till after. Okay. Are, are we ready for number one? Well, I do, I do have a bonus question. Oh, okay. What are we drinking with Walt while we're watching these movies? Because we talked about it. We don't know that he'd love the rum. He was a scotch drinker. Like, what, what Disney drink, what park-specific drink are we having with him? I'd have a lapu-lapu like lapu with Walt. <laughs> <laughs> you think Walt would wear a Hawaiian shirt? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a few he can borrow. I would have a spike Dole Whip. Ooh. Little tradition, little flair. So I was going to say, I don't know if this is, I guess you can probably get this in Disneyland or somewhere else. But since he liked New Orleans, I was thinking maybe like a mint julep or something. That was mine. Oh, you got to come up with something else now. It's almost um, like you guys know each other or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good mint julep. I, I feel like he would be down with that. Um, I don't know. My go-to drink in Disney is always the whiskey breeze. And oh. it, a little tropical, a little whiskey. I I feel like he would get down with that as well. I, I'd want to get into like a conga line with Walt. Like, <laughs> so I'm I'm getting real Trader Sam's vibes here. Yeah, I for think sure. I think he'd have a blast in Trader Sam's. Yeah, if I was gonna do the lapu lapu, I mean the pineapple's fun, but I would want it in the grim grinning grog. That was like a no. Did you guys ever see this thing? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of the hitchhiking ghosts, but they put it in like the porcelain tiki Trader Sam's format. I saw it. Well, I mean, we were coming off the monorail bar crawl, so I was going to be excited anyway. But I saw this thing and I was like, I have to have this. Meanwhile, not I was five cradling minutes, it like a baby on the plane ride home. Not five <laughs> minutes earlier, it's we can't buy any more Halloween stuff. No more Halloween decorations. Okay. And then five minutes later, 
grim grinning grog. <laughs> there's, there's only no the necessities. <laughs> Very true. All right. Are we now ready for number one? I think so. Okay. My number one, I went with, again, I was trying to pick something that I feel like he would enjoy, but have a lot to say about. I picked Mary Poppins Returns because I would be just so fascinated. I think they did a great job with the music, with sticking to just kind of what his vision was with the first Mary Poppins. I'd love to see if he liked who they cast. If I mean, just just everything I would want to know, just everything, anything that he thought. How elated do you think he would be when he saw Dick Van Dyke come on screen? Probably as elated as the rest of the world. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was like a oh, my gosh moment that you just had to get hyped for. So I would be fascinated to watch him watch that. Do you think he would have been disappointed that Julie Andrews didn't make the cameo? That's actually why I cut it from my list. Yes, I, I because love- I was. Yeah. You cut it from your list for that reason? No, and I I love that Catherine not only put it on, but she kept it at number one because that was my whole reasoning for it was this was one of his best films, something that he truly believed in, something that he had to fight for. And then they announced they were doing a sequel like it was nothing. So I'd be so interested in what he thought of the casting choices. I definitely would love his opinion on Lin-Manuel Miranda, especially now how he's grown with the company from Moana now to Hamilton. And I think it's important to introduce him to Lin because he is going to be our next Howard Ashman. Lopez is, you know, he's, he's right in, in the vein. But anyway, it was for that reason that I axed it from my list because they didn't get the Julie Andrews cameo. I think he would have been thrilled to know that they could make a movie without P.L. Travers having to scrutinize everything that they did. <laughs> I think he would have been relieved. Well, and it is interesting because we we cheated a little bit. We did kind of critique each other's list and mainly to see like what is your argument for or against these. And the other one that you were considering was Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. And... I feel like that would be a very difficult movie to watch with him because he would probably just point out all the things that didn't happen the way that it did in the movie. But I think Mary Poppins Returns is very interesting. There would be so much conversation that took place. Which Which is is exactly what I would want. I can't just sit there in silence. I got (laughs) to talk to the man. Yeah. So I, I think that's good. But would you explain to him, here's why Julie Andrews didn't come back? I don't know if I know why she didn't come back. Well, she didn't want, she wanted Emily Blunt to have her time. She didn't want to overshoot. Because she's a saint. (laughs) It is the sweetest (laughs) reason ever. Yeah. It would have been an interesting conversation when it turned to that actor. That's not me. I didn't behave that way. And I'd probably look at him and go, you know that cowboy you liked so much in the last movie (laughs) we watched? That's him. I'd love yeah. to get Walt a little tipsy and have him watch Saving Mr. Banks. Like, then you get the real story to come out. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so uh, either either one of those, I thought, were going to lead to a very lengthy discussion. But I actually like Mary Poppins Returns. I just thought it would maybe be weird for him to, like, watch, like, himself, you know, in, like, Saving Mr. Banks. But, I, think, I think he would have really liked the portrayal of the Sherman Brothers, actually. Definitely. I think he would have loved uh, Jason Schwartzman. I think he would have loved him. Good choice, Catherine. Thanks. 
Number one. What do we got, Brendan? My number one, and anybody who knows me could probably predict this from a mile away. Probably, I think I've come to terms that it's my favorite (laughs) Disney movie of all time, and it is Princess and the Frog. I think the connection to New Orleans, the jazz music, the animation, just everything involved with the movie, I think he would just be over the moon excited and even now you can tell him of course he didn't know what splash mountain was but you can tell him this movie is getting its own attraction in the theme parks maybe someday we'll get a restaurant i guess you could tell him there's a thing called a cruise ship and there's a (laughs) there's tiana has her own restaurant there but i think that the same thing that many of us do when watching princess and the frog of just thinking about there is so much potential that this story is so rich and so deep and Tiana is so beloved and there's so many the supporting characters are so strong as well so as soon as the question was posed I knew that Princess and the Frog would be my number one if we're being honest this is why we had to talk about our list because he's like I'm picking Princess and the Frog (laughs) (laughs) so he made it sound like I couldn't so we had to compare lists (laughs) I mean, I I certainly do appreciate the preparation that went involved. You you could have both had the same movies just fine. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that both of you didn't have up on your list. I thought for sure that would be the top spot on both of it. We discussed it. And I, I don't for me, I just I wanted one representation from Pixar. And so for me, the conversation was between Toy Story and up. And I went Toy Story, obviously, for all the reasons that we've already mentioned. I don't know. I I think Up, he would appreciate from the same thing that we mentioned of Frozen, of, wow, you can, like, rip people's hearts out in the first 12 minutes and keep (laughs) them hooked. two minutes. (laughs) And keep them hooked for an entire movie. I think that he would really love the emotional game that Up plays with you. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, we definitely thought about it. Yeah, it it was an honorable mention for sure, but... Compared to the others and like the conversations that would take place, we axed it. I think he would have also, I think he would have loved seeing what Pixar became. And I think he would have loved seeing what, you know, the work that he did so long ago, how it transitioned into Pixar. And I think he would have been relieved to see them take a break from that to do hand-drawn traditional animation. I think if there was one critique he would have about the modern films. I think he would appreciate the computers. I think he would appreciate what they mean, but I don't think he'd understand why they're doing them all the time. I think he would want that traditional hand-drawn, and I think he would have loved Princess and the Frog for that reason. And he would have never cared about the cost of hand-drawn animation. I almost did put Princess and the Frog on my list. That It was between that and Jungle Book for my number five because there was, you know, I was wrestling with... Do I want him to be able to, you know, see what he started in the film or do I want him to be able to see sort of what finished what he started with the company? Because I can't imagine that they are going to do another hand-drawn one. And, you know, I think it's it would have been important for him to see exactly, you know, that that is what his legacy did. Retweet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Jackie. 
number one. I'm lobbing you the softball. Well, I was sitting here biting my tongue because Brendan was right. Pirates absolutely made my list. And I did really mull it over between the number one and the number two spot. But Pirates did edge out Toy Story for me simply because it's an IP. I mean, so is Toy Story. But it's another one. I, I also went for like a full circle moment with my own list because I wanted him to to see the finished product of something that he left in Jungle Book. But also he passed mid pirates and he didn't even get to see the ride completed. It was still I mean, they had decided to make it a boat ride at that point, but he only got to walk through it. He never got to go on it. So to see what that idea became not just for the ride but for the movie to see the production value and to see that even with all of the technology we have they still used classic Hollywood techniques to film it for the Johnny Depp performance alone I think he would have loved it so definitely pirates and I would definitely want to be drinking rum with him while watching it that's a given yeah (laughs) I so my number one is also Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's also Pirates of the Caribbean because for most of the same reasons that you said, um, I I said it on the episode when we did the review of Curse of the Black Pearl that Disney, and we talked earlier about how they had acquired the rights to a lot of stories that eventually got made and some that he didn't see in his lifetime – What makes this unique is that it is something that is uniquely Disney. It is their concept. It's their characters. And I think that he would have been blown away that they could make something like that that was completely their own and completely original. And I also think, similar to Rocketeer, it was honestly between this and Rocketeer for number one and four. I think similar to Rocketeer... I think he would have appreciated the genre. I think he would have appreciated the filmmaking. And I think he would have been surprised to find out that those swashbuckling pirate films that were so popular, you know, in his life. And and let's not forget, the first live action film they ever made was Treasure Island. That just celebrated its 70th anniversary. And I think the full circle moment of that being his first live action film and to see it tie back around to a genre that was all but dead. I think he would have really appreciated all of that. And and I agree with you. I think he would have loved Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. I think you actually, I think he would have loved the entire cast. I think he would have really liked Jeffrey Rush. It is a great cast. It is. This was another one for me that I never even thought of, honestly. So I'm kind of kicking myself because all of these are perfect reasons to want to watch it with Walt and I never even thought of it. But don't sell yourself short. I'm telling you, I think you had the best list of anybody. Yeah, really. And I'm surprised at how different they all were. What I'm actually really surprised at more than anything else, none of us had Lion King. That was a huge cut for me. And I th- part of the reason that I did it was because I thought for sure somebody else would have it. It was on my honorable mentions. Same. And I considered it deeply. And I don't know why. I guess... I, I can't pinpoint why exactly I pulled it off, but it was almost like I want to get one semi-recent animated film, and it, it kind of got knocked off from there. Yeah. 
nobody had that. Nobody had Beauty and the Beast, which was not only an old project shelved from his lifetime, but it was the first animated film to be nominated for a Best Picture at the Academy Awards. But I think that goes to show just how deep the library is. And it was it almost was unfair that we kept this just to five. Well, I had, that was it. I mean, my criteria wasn't get a Dynasty film on there, but when I was trying to go for like a well-rounded list, I had the number three slot open and had narrowed it down to Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King. Lion King got ruled out because as much as I think he would have gotten such a kick out of seeing somebody like Elton John, who's had such an amazing career, write the music. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman won out over it. And when it came down to the music and the characters, Jeannie tipped the scale. So what were some of the other honorable mentions? Yeah, I'm, curious. I'm curious to see what didn't make the list. The only other one of mine that hasn't been mentioned up to this point is Robin Hood. And I mainly just picked it to get something from the 70s on the list, uh, you know, to to toss it around and, and see if it could stick. It ultimately didn't for me, but all five of mine are pretty recent. I guess Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the oldest one for me. Yeah. The only one that we haven't mentioned that was on my honorable mentions, and it was one that Brendan kind of gave me the idea for, so I guess I have to give him some kind of credit, but it was Meet the Robinsons just because it follows his whole idea of to keep moving forward. So I thought he would have gotten a kick out of that. It's such an underrated movie. I love Meet the Robinsons. We haven't done it on the show yet. We're going to have to do it eventually. I did think of both of those for that reason, because they did the entire movie off of the quote. But I also was considering Robin Hood because it was the last one that all nine of the old men worked on but then because of the recycled animation from jungle book and aristocats i was like "Eh, not innovative enough i think it would have driven him crazy yeah seeing it reused what did you have on your honorables frozen and coco actually got cut i had them battling for my number four spot actually and that that's kind of how i put my list together was i would pick similar films and then the better ones went out um Coco for the story and for the visuals. I think it's gorgeous. I would have really liked to have put that on there somewhere. But when you compare it to Frozen, of course, Frozen's going to win for me. And Frozen still got edged out. So I'm glad it was on your list. My other one, just because I think it's so important to the company, I was considering Seagull's Muppets because we did give that Mm. a perfect score. Um. And he didn't even get to see really the Muppets become a part of it. So I wanted to see like what that relationship with Jim Henson became. Yeah, I think that would have been a solid choice. Um, I had five honorable mentions, but three of them had gotten mentioned. And all of them were mentioned by one of you. Jungle Book, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mary Poppins Returns. But the other two that I had... Um, that I think he really would have gotten a kick out of were Tangled. I think he would have loved the animation. I think he would have loved the music and Enchanted. I think he would have really gotten a kick out of seeing 
the fish out of water. What is it like when you take these flowery princesses out of your fantastical world and stick them into jaded Manhattan? And basically, if you were to do it, that movie is exactly what would have happened. I do find that to be a true representation of what would have happened if you took Cinderella, Snow White, Aurora, if you would have put them in the middle of Times Square at any point in their lives. I think that is a true representation of what it would have been like, and I would have loved to see his reaction to that. That's a great pick. It's, But it's so tough. I mean, all of these are tough, right? I mean... To, to cut any of them, it's almost unfathomable. But, I mean, when you, you get the movies that you get here, I, I mean, I think that it would have been so interesting to see any of these movies with him and to get his, to get his take on it. I think, you know, and I, I shouldn't speak for him, but I think that in all, with any of the movies that we put on, I think he would have been proud at what his company has accomplished and the legacy that has become Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Animation in the many years since he has passed away. Except for Black Cauldron. Except for the Black Cauldron. <laughs> and the Good Dinosaur. That's another one we haven't gotten around to yet. But I remember seeing the uh I remember seeing the trailer and not really being that enthusiastic about it. Actually, you know what I think about when I th- when I think about Good Dinosaur, that was a movie that was just about to be released when we went to the parks. I think it might have been our first trip to the parks. And at the end of One Man's Dream, you always get the sneak preview of a movie. Right. And the sneak preview they were doing was The Good Dinosaur and <laughs> it it's kind of a horrible story, but, but it's funny at the same time. There was a grandmother who had taken her grandkids on a trip to Disney. And they, the kid was, I don't know, maybe five years old. And all she kept saying was, come here, I'm going to show you a dinosaur. And the kid thought that she was going to show him like a real dinosaur. And he freaked out and ran away. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that happened Wait. in one man's dream. And that's the only thing I can think about when I think of the good dinosaur. And coincidentally, that's a perfect representation of what anybody should do when you're asked to watch The Good Dinosaur. (laughs) So in other words, it isn't the second best dinosaur movie behind The Land Before Time. No, and you can even put Dinosaur with Aladar up there before (laughs) it. I'm curious, and I know we can throw out these hypotheticals all day long, but I'm curious, did any non-Disney movies come to mind or did you did you narrow it down to strictly disney that was actually going to be my question because another trend that i noticed with all of us was no marvel no star wars so i didn't know if that was because it was just assumed we were sticking to classic which for me it wasn't i did think of a couple of marvels but they just didn't even come close um i never thought of expanding it anything past films with his name on them um you know at least in the walt disney pictures uh, perspective because i thought that that sort of opened up a rabbit hole that i it's like if you go down that hole i was tempted but if you go down that hole it's like where do you draw the line right. i was i but i was close to doing marvel and star wars it was very very close and i and i thought about that as well and muppets I, Muppets came to mind and I drew the line and said, no, you know, even though it's under the umbrella now. But 
I also thought about Harry Potter, and I don't know wow. how he would feel about it. What? That's coming from left field. Well, I feel like his mind would go to where a lot of us said, why didn't we buy this? Why did <laughs> this, this was a, a literary, you know, phenomenon. Why did we not get the movie rights to this? I think you're right. I think he would have been, I think it would have been maddening to him knowing that they didn't get the rights to that. And I think he'd be like, I fought P.L. Travers for 25 years and you couldn't get Harry Potter? I guess that's what you get with stubborn British women. That's true. Maybe he wouldn't have even pursued it. He may have not even pursued it anymore. Get her on the phone. Hello. Goodbye. Just just hang up the phone. Nope. We're moving on from this. It is a really great point, though, because look what that acquisition led to. It's their biggest competition. Yeah, I I agree. I think he'd kind of be kicking himself that that. I mean, there's your fifth gate, really. And he wouldn't have pulled that universal nonsense of splitting it between two parks and making you would buy the admission for both. <laughs> no, that's ooh, yeah, that's not good. Roy might have, but not but Walt. We're, but, not, <laughs> but not Walt. But we're suckers and we do it every time. <laughs> well, yep, they give you no choice, Brendan. That's if you want to ride the hard, the Hogwarts Express, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to yeah. ride the Hogwarts Express. I'll just watch the DVD with the horrific special effects and go, why did I do this? This was a waste of two and a half hours. And then I move on with my life. I like the, <laughs> I like the Harry Potter attractions. I liked the first book. I think the movies are terrible. I can't, I can't watch them. But that's just me. And that's, that's actually, I think, the most we've ever mentioned Harry Potter on this show in two years. But with that said, I would be interested to see if, if Disney had made them if they would have cleaned up those special effects a little bit. Yeah. Who you knows? never know. Yeah. Black Cauldron aside, what do you think Walt would have changed? Like, what do you think is the biggest error that he would have never let slip through the cracks? Whether it's like a film in its entirety, we'll say Black Cauldron and Good Dinosaur aside, but like, is, is there a scene or like what specifically do you think he would have changed? I think that it goes without saying that I, I think he would have been um, I think he would have been embarrassed over the reused animation in Robin Hood. It's otherwise such a good film. And I'm going to for the sake of backing up an argument I made almost two years ago, I'm putting Walt in my corner against Coco. I think he would have loved the visual and I think the at times horrifically sloppy screenwriting and poor dialogue i think he would have i think it would have set him off why take anybody's side take my side in <laughs> in literally sequential sentences i think it would have driven him as crazy as it drove me and that conversation would have happened after the lapu lapu <laughs> <laughs> i think for me, what comes to mind is just like missteps and things that he would want to clean up is just, you know, obviously he had such an appreciation for literature and books and, and using those to, to bring those stories to life through a different medium. And it just seems like over the last 20 years or so, they've had so many missteps of taking novels and trying to do them. So things like A Wrinkle in Time or yeah so, yeah we both amen like to that. so bad amen to that or i haven't even seen artemis fowl but i'm gonna go ahead and put it in that category 
just just those missteps of of these pieces of media that are so beloved they're not done justice i think he would he would potentially be embarrassed by that yeah that's a good one i don't know it's hard for me to even say cuz i guess i'm not very critical when i watch anything so i don't know but that's a good one i like your point <laughs> there was another honorable mention there was a part of me that wanted to sit him down and make him watch waking sleeping beauty and be like look what happened but with that said if we're going for a particular like to pinpoint it probably the live action beauty and the beast because i think a huge misstep was making going for the realism with Lumiere, Mrs. Potts and Cogsworth and just slapping a face onto an object instead of really bringing it to life. They missed the most iconic shot in that movie. They missed the chandelier. How do you miss the chandelier? That's my biggest gripe. And I think he would have said (laughs) the same thing. He would have never let it happen. Well, with that said, it's, it's just a shame that, he did pass so young and you know, you can only wonder what else he would have given us, but I appreciate what we do have, not just for the entertainment value of all the films, but because we get to sit down every week and talk about them. I love doing our show. I've loved being in this for a hundred episodes and I love the friends like yourselves that we've made along the way. We are so thankful for you guys and a huge congratulations to episode number 100 we're calling dibs we will be on episode 500 as well so <laughs> done pencil us so in pencil, yeah done mark deal. us down you're in you're in any time that you want and when we are going to have you on we we have a couple of films in mind you don't know about this yet but we have a couple of films <laughs> in mind that we've already kind of been like all right we're going to put a pin in those because we know we're going to ask you guys to come on um and talk about them but for those who have not found you guys yet, or for those who haven't tuned in yet, why don't you give our listeners your social media, let them know where they can find Detour to Neverland. If, you, if you've not listened to them yet... What are you doing are with you your doing? life? It's, it's, you know what? I will <laughs> even go so far as to say, it's okay to skip us for a week or two. Go get yourselves caught up on some Detour to Neverland. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Uh, you, we're most active on Instagram at Detour to Neverland. Uh, Our website is DetourToNeverland.com. There you can find the links to all of the different platforms that you can listen to us on. But anywhere podcasts are found, that's where you can listen to us. We put out two episodes per week. We do interviews, and then we've been doing a storytelling series on Disney attractions as well. So we appreciate anybody who jumps over. We have an episode, two episodes, with you guys. I do not know the episode numbers off the top of my head, but you can use that handy-dandy search function and find them very easily. (laughs) 45. 45 was ours. And that was before Catherine even joined as your co-host. I know. That feels like a lifetime ago. It was in the very beginning. Yeah. And the bonus episode. The dog episode. We we did that mutually. I think that was March of 2019. I think so. Definitely wasn't March of this year. No. March of 2019, yeah, but I don't know the exact number. I don't even know if we numbered it. I think it was just special bonus episode. I think so. I don't know. After 100 plus of these, and I know you know the feeling, I lose track of the numbers. It's just a handful of ones I know off the top of my head. And oddly enough, certainly I I know when we were on theirs, it was 45. 
Um, and I think Tam- I think t- this weird things I remember. I think Terry Whelan was the episode after us on forty six. You can fact check me on that. That sounds about right. <laughs> about the same time period, but I did want to say, you know, I think I can speak for all of your listeners to say that you guys are doing such good work and you bring such a deep appreciation for the movies and the work that Walt Disney and and the company has done over the years that you're truly doing something unique. Uh, So just want to say, keep up the good work. You brighten our day every time a new episode comes out. And I know that your listeners feel the same way. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And the same for you guys. You know, I think what we've appreciated so much other than your friendship, like from a strict, podcasting standpoint what we've appreciated so much about what you guys have done is that you have set up this portal it's like you're the talisman into the gateway into this disney community and so many people have found product producers they found content creators like i've bought stuff from stores on etsy that i never would have known about if they had not come on your show I, I found podcasts and YouTube channels I would not have found if it had not been for your show. So what you guys have done for the Disney community and what you guys continue to do for the Disney community is nothing short of outstanding. And I can't wait to see how your content is going to grow from here because lucky you are 19 minutes to park property now. Yeah, so it- we're basically just going to become a food <laughs> blog. And so we're just going to go to Cheshire Cat Cafe weekly and Trader Sam's weekly and that's our new format very dangerous (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys so much for joining us tonight and for you guys we want to know what what are the five films you would show Walt Disney you can let us know on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Monoreal Radio you can also email us monorealradio at gmail.com and don't forget you can also check out Detour to Neverland on all of their social media as well news of the week is coming up as well as something very special. We have a contest for you to enter today. But first, a quick break. Hey everyone, this is Brian down here in South Florida. I'm about two hours south of Disney. And when it comes to planning vacations, Jackie's the way to go. I have a quick story for you. When it came to booking my family vacation for my two-year-old daughter and my wife, you know, like everybody, I immediately went to the internet, started scouting prices, compiling lists, and uh, building my perfect vacation at Disney. Just out of curiosity, I reached out to Jackie. She mentioned she was uh, booking vacations for many people. So I gave her my uh, list, my itinerary. She looked it over, and when she came back to me, she gave me her recommendations in regards to the parks. However, she also had new pricing associated with it. Um, I've learned that going on my own doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be getting the best pricing. Jackie was able to beat the majority of the pricing within my list and saving me a ton of money, but she has the insight and the connections to do so. On top of that, it was stress-free, so all my vacations in the future are gonna be through her because I don't have to think about it. She plans it, I give her some information in regards to what I wanna do, what my plans are for that week when I go visit Disney, and she'll make it happen and create the itinerary for me. She's a market expert. Myself, I go into a park, I immediately hop on the next line, I get a few fast passes, and at the end of the day, I don't accomplish everything like I would want to. She advised on which rides to attack first, which restaurants I should schedule on what day, and how to properly allocate my time to maximize my vacation. It was an amazing process. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. 
Way to go, Monorail. Keep it going. So if you would like assistance planning your next Disney vacation, get in touch with us through any of our social media channels, or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. News this week... Got a little parks news first. Disney announced that they are changing their mask policy again, um, which, I mean, look, it's for the greater good. But there's kind of a lot of room for interpretation. Let me explain what they've done here. They say that any mask that has mesh holes or valves are no longer allowed And I wonder, now you've seen these masks pop up on social media where they have like Velcro or an adhesive so that people can open it up to eat or drink and then close it again, which to me seems as good as not having a mask at all. And I I think that's certainly what Disney is trying to address. Yeah, I mean, think about what you just said. Any kind of holes. There should not be holes in masks. So I have to imagine they're not nearly as effective. And there's probably also a lot of people who are taking too much liberty and maybe just leaving it open. My question is the vented masks with the filters. You know, they have the replaceable filters in them. So I think at this point, what Disney needs to do is... There's so much room for interpretation in the language here that I think they kind of just need to put, like give us a visual. Here's what is acceptable. Here's what is not acceptable because nobody knows if these filtered masks are allowed or not. Right. Normally, I would be like, come on, people. This isn't this hard to figure out. But in this case, I actually think we need some idiot proofing because there are so many variations of these masks. Yeah. We were actually going to use the filtered masks for our upcoming trip in October, but we're not sure we're going to be able to do that anymore. So instead, we just had monorail ones made up. Yeah, so if you see people walking around with monorail radio masks in October, it's us. They're not for sale. It's us. So please, come and say hello. Not for sale, but maybe for, for distribution. Maybe we can give a couple away. We might be able to do something in the future. And we do have something else to give away. We're going to make you hang around for just another minute here because... We have some really, really exciting Disney news. Alan Menken, Disney legend, has won his EGOT. Finally. I mean, it goes without saying that we are huge fans. This man not only wrote the soundtrack to our childhood, but he is the recipient of eight Oscars, second behind Walt Disney for holding the record, Right. 11 Grammys, and a Tony. So the only piece of the puzzle that he was missing was the Emmy, which he received yesterday. Right. He won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Original Song in a Children's Young Adult or Animated Program. And that was for a song he wrote for Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. So he is the 16th person to win this prestigious award. Yeah, not a lot of people have them. I may have cried a little bit when I saw the news yesterday. Maybe just a little bit. But we want to make a winner of one of you. So, every now and again, we like to give away a prize here on Monorail Radio. It would only be so fitting that for our 100th episode, we give away one of our Monorail Radio t-shirts. We don't give these away all that often. That is going to change, though. We've given them away in the parks on the bar crawl. But you have a chance to win one now. 
from the safety of your home and the convenience of your cell phone. Jackie, could you please explain the rules here? Because you are far better at Instagram than I am. (laughs) So this is going to be an Instagram contest. Uh, So if you post in your story that you're listening to the episode, the 100th episode. This one. It's got to be this episode. Yes. Tag us. Make sure you tag us so that we can see it. And then we will regram you in our story and that will verify your entry. Right. So I think we'll run this contest for a week. So why don't we call it You have until Monday, August 3rd at 11.59 p.m. to put us in the story to get your entry. And we will announce the winner on next week's show, which drops on Tuesday, August 4th. Does that work? All good. Okay. That's what we're going to do. Um, Well, guys, I think I'd like to take a moment here to just say a personal thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for everything that you do to support the show, whether it's following us on social media, commenting on our posts, sharing the episodes. I mean, we got a lot of people that like to share the episodes. Like, that means so much that you would do that. The people that have been leaving us reviews on iTunes. And and more than anything, just like we talked about before, the friendships and the interaction. Like, we are so thankful for the last two years, we can't wait to see what happens over the next 100 episodes moving forward and, and even past that. But all I can say is it's been two years just about. It's been 100 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to you for joining me at the mic every week. And thank you very much as well. And to our producer, Walt. Thank you so much for our for our support. Um, milk for bones, sitting and looking pretty. Milk bones go a long way. Well, again... A million thank yous. We will be back next week. So until then, for Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.